for that reason. All right, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. As you're turning there, if you're new here, my name is Cody. I'm the college pastor. And if you have any questions from tonight, if you're looking to get connected in any way, if you need someone to pray with you, anything like that, if you have questions about the message even, I'll be up here after the message. Would love to talk to you, chat with you for a while, get connected in any way that I can. All right, so Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 19 through 30, and we are finishing out the chapter tonight. That's what we've been doing. We've been going through the book of Philippians verse by verse and seeing what the Lord has for us through the Apostle Paul written to the Philippians. And as you're finishing up turning there, I actually want to start tonight's message on a little bit different of a a note, a little bit different of a point. Um, The point that I want to make, it's an application point, it's something that's in the text, but it's a point that is not within the flow of thought of the message that we're going to be having tonight, Um, but it is found in the passage. So if you look at verses 29 and 30, just real quick, that's the end of our passage, there's this this spot, um, Paul says, uh, so receive him, that's talking about um, Epaphroditus and um, he's taught, and we'll get, we'll get more into him in a minute, but really uh, Paul is encouraging the Philippians to do something in regards to, to receiving him, welcoming him back and says, receive him the Lord with all joy and honor such men for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. The point that I want to bring up tonight, it's not going to be on the slides. Like I said, this is sort of the end point of the passage that we're in. But one that I think is really applicable to us, especially this month, um, is that we want to honor those who do the work of Christ. We want to honor those who do the work of the gospel. And so an application point straight away from that is I want to encourage you tonight to think about ways that you can do just that, the way that you can honor those that are giving their lives for the work of Christ. And I, I want to start with, if you know anybody who has been um, martyred, if you know anybody who has had their family leave to serve the gospel, what are ways that you can encourage and support the, the people that have given their lives by supporting their families, right? What are ways that you can be praying for them? What are ways that you can physically encourage them, emotionally encourage them? Let's talk about our missionaries that our church has sent out, right? Sent out uh, to Africa, sent out to, to training, sent out to Radius, like places like that. Like how can we be praying for them? How, we can, how can we actually be encouraging to them? If you receive any of their emails, maybe a great thing is to respond to their email and say, hey, what's something I can do for you this month? And then certainly um, I'd love for us to just be a blessing to our pastor. Pastor Rob, he's a pastor of our church. Um, this is Pastor Appreciation Month. It's the month of October. And I wanted to bring that up as well because um, you guys don't know it. I'm going to try not to get emotional. Um, you guys don't know how much he's poured into me, okay? You don't know how much you've been impacted by how much he's impacted me. And, um, and I'm sure you guys see it on Sundays. I'm sure you've had those interactions. But I would love it if we as a ministry can find ways to bless him. And the reason why I'm telling you this way and I'm not just organizing something on behalf of the college ministry is because I don't want it to come from the top down. I don't want it to come from like, oh, the college pastor got everyone together and gave them this gift. I want it to come from you. I want you to reach out to him. I want you to find him in the lobby. I want you to thank him for his work. I want you to thank his wife for the ways that she serves as well. 
So I just want to encourage you as a point of application before we get any further into the message tonight, please honor the workers of Christ that, that are shepherding you, that are overseeing, and who have given their lives for the work of Christ in your life, all right? So that's just like a bit of an aside, but I think it's super applicable. Like we see it right here, and then all of a sudden it's pastor appreciation month. So let's not fail on it, right? Let's be a ministry that follows through on our application points. All right, into the actual chunk of the text now. Going through the, the passage itself. Like I said, we're in verses 19 uh, through 30. I'm going to go ahead and read it. You follow along. We're picking up. Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed. He was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. All right, so one of the things that we see in this scripture, especially things that we see in all of scripture and in the letters to the church is a concept, a concept we're really going to be following tonight. And that's the idea of following after the apostles or following after our spiritual mentors as they follow after Christ. And, and that's not a unique concept. This is something that shouldn't be unfamiliar to us. In fact, if you were with us like way back when we were preaching through the book of 1 Thessalonians, you're going to remember we quoted this often, this idea that we are going to follow Paul as he follows after Christ. If you're looking for support to that, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, right? Write that down. You can look it up later. 1 Corinthians 11, 1 is where we see that exact concept of following after Paul as he follows after Christ. And that's what we are going to be doing tonight. We are going to be looking at the examples of those that are listed in this passage and we are going to be following them as they have followed after Christ. We are going to be learning some of the things that are required of us if we want to live for Christ. And we're going to be inspired by the way that they were lived out in the lives of these men. Now, the first person that we're going to be looking at tonight is found uh, right here in this first verse. And that is Timothy. And that's our, our first point for tonight. The message is called follow. First point is Follow Timothy. Pretty simple so far, yeah? Let's go ahead and look at where we take that. Very beginning, verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I may be cheered by news of you. And then he says, for I have no one like him. Guys, do you see it? Like right there, that statement alone is a reason that we should want to follow after Timothy. If someone like the Apostle Paul who has planted many churches by this point in writing this letter, 
He's met hundreds and hundreds of people and has probably led hundreds and hundreds of people to come to know Christ, like an apostle of Christ who has many life ex- years of life experience, many years of ministry, and is near the end of his own life, is saying that he hasn't found someone like Timothy, saying that Timothy is unique in some of the ways that he's been gifted. And so what I'm saying is that if the Apostle Paul looks at Timothy in terms of what it means to follow after Christ and identify things in him, like we should want to do that as well. We should want to see the things that made Timothy so special and unique that the Apostle Paul would trust him for gospel work, and we should want to follow after those things as well. We should want to be like Timothy and follow after Timothy. And as we look at the qualities that are listed about him in this passage, here's the first thing that we see. If we're going to follow after Timothy as he follows after Christ, we're going to serve others. We're going to serve others. I take that from the second half of verse 20. If you get your eyes back in the text again, I'll start at the beginning of it. Scripture says, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Being concerned for the welfare of others means that you are serving others. The CSV translation says it like this. It says that I have no one who will genuinely care about your interests. I will genuinely care about you. And I wanted to word the point, serve others tonight, because like I said, I'm making the point that if you are truly concerned for others, if you truly have their interests at heart, and when that care and concern for them has impacted our hearts and causes the way that we think of them to change, causes the way that we act to change, then we are going to serve them. If we care for them, we will serve them because we are so concerned for their well-being, we're so concerned for their interests that we want to maintain their well-being. We want to add to their well-being. We want to add to their interests. We want to add to what the Lord is doing in their lives. This is an easy illustration to come up with because I know at some point in your life you've had a deep relationship. You've had a relationship with your mother or your father or a sibling or a significant other. Maybe it's just a best friend. You have had a relationship in which you've cared about that person so much that it is instinctual for you to want to serve them. It is instinctual for you to want to do things for them. If we care for others, we serve others. Look no further than Jesus himself. As if dying on the cross wasn't enough, which we're going to get to in a minute and talk about that. Let's, let's talk about the Last Supper when he washes his disciples' feet. Men that he's poured into, that he loves, that he cares for. Men that he's already going to die for. Men that he's already going to save and redeem. He cares for them so much to teach them what they need to know that he serves them. So that they will learn to serve others. If you have genuine concern for others, you serve them. And that's what Timothy is doing here. He says, Paul says that he has a concern for the well-being of the Philippians. And what Paul is doing is he's going to send Timothy to them. To serve them. To comfort them. Because Timothy cares. This is something we've already seen in the book of Philippians. 
Like you've been with us as we've been preaching through this. We saw this earlier on in chapter 2. Robert preached it just a few weeks ago when talking about Jesus. Paul's using Jesus as this example of humility and service. And he says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. And where is he talking about that? He's talking about that when speaking of Christ's example to die for us. And being given the name above every name. Christ's example of laying down and not exploiting his godhood. But rather taking the form of a servant. Humbling himself. So do you see what I mean? It is undeniable that if you care for others... You serve others. And that's a simple point of application, friends. You know I'm about application. You know I'm about applying this to your lives. That's what I want for Thursday nights. Is I want to be able to give you real things to walk away with. And I don't think it takes much explaining how you can go about serving others. I don't need to tell you how to go about it because there's so many opportunities in our church right here. Like there are opportunities to serve the youth as a youth group leader. There are opportunities to serve the kids of our church uh, by volunteering and helping on Tuesday nights at Kids Club or, or in the kids ministry on the weekends. On top of that, like there's many opportunities for us to serve our community through our, our outreach partners here locally and globally and through our outreach ministries. There's lots of connections and relationships that we have within our church to be able to find ways for us to serve one another and not to mention the opportunities that we have to simply serve one another here on Sunday mornings. Right? Even the people in the parking lot that guide people to park, they're just caring and serving and want people to be welcomed and want people to be able to get into service. They're just holding the door open for us, but they're serving us, right? The simple ways that we show we care and we love. Take advantage of them. Serve others. So like I said, the first point, super easy application. And what we see when we follow after Timothy is not only that we are to serve others, but we see that we are to serve Christ. Look back with me at verse 21 then. This is where we see this. It says, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. So you can see the implication here. You can see that Paul is implying by using contrast that while others don't care for the interests of Jesus Christ, Timothy does care for the interests of Jesus Christ. Practically, guys, just like caring for others means serving others, so too does caring for Christ mean serving Christ. Just as caring for others means serving others, so too does caring for Christ mean serving Christ. And this is also something that's easy for us to do. This is something that has one of those easy application points. And I've already implied a lot of it in my last point. When I mentioned how we can be serving others, because when we are serving others, we are serving Christ. Jesus loved people. Jesus loved his church. Jesus loved the lowly. Jesus loved those in need. Jesus loved children. Jesus called us to take care of the church, to take care of the poor, to take care of the lowly, to serve those in need. Jesus called us to love children and to teach children and serve children. 
So one of the ways that we serve Christ is by serving others. Certainly by doing it in ways that Christ has already equipped us to be able to do it, even through this church. Serving the church is serving Christ as well because the church is the body of Christ. But it's not just serving people. That's not the only way that we serve Christ. It's not just serving people. It's about serving the work of the gospel. You see it there at the end of verse 22, right? It says that Timothy was serving with Paul in the gospel, in the work of the gospel. Like serving Christ isn't just about the physical things that we do on a daily or weekly or monthly basis. Like, yes, it's a large part of what we do because the actions we take with our hands can speak loudly of the ways that we think and that we feel and what motivates us. But the way that we serve Christ is not just in the daily work of our hands. It is the consistent meditation of our heart and the purpose of our lives to advance the gospel. We serve Christ not only with hands, heart, and mind, meditating and reflecting on him daily, but by directing our very lives to the work of the ministry of the gospel. And we know that this is exactly what Timothy did. Timothy was a pastor in Ephesus. That, that is what God had called Timothy to do. This is what Paul equipped Timothy to do. And we know that because if you read the books of Timothy in the Bible, if you read First and Second Timothy, we find out that he was indeed equipped and called to be the pastor in Ephesus. Paul equipped him, left him there, and gave him a mission to do. Which means that Timothy, he wasn't just serving physically in times of need. Like Paul's in need right now in prison as he's writing this. And then like Paul already has plans for Timothy to go serve the Philippians in their need. But on top of Timothy meeting those physical needs, he gave his whole life for the work of the gospel to meet those of spiritual need in Ephesus by becoming a pastor. So he gave his life to serve Christ for the work of the gospel. Now that doesn't mean that you have to become a pastor in order to serve the cause of the gospel and to serve Christ as well. But we do know that it means that you need to live your life as if it was given over entirely to the Lord and for the work of the gospel. Like guys, my life, I'm a full-time pastor, right? Like my life and your life actually shouldn't be that different. Yes, like it's going to be different in like the ways that we just look upon it, right? Like it's going to be different in the amount of kids that we have and the age we are, the, the cars that we drive, the places that we live. It might be different in the daily tasks of our work day. However, there should be a huge commonality between my job and my life and your job and your life. And that's that our careers, our chosen line of work, the ways that we spend our hours are bent towards the work of the gospel. Bent towards serving Christ his church full time guys no matter what i'm doing on a physical day-to-day -day basis the intent is always to serve the kingdom of god and build up the kingdom of god through jesus christ and, and the calling is no different for you in your careers the calling is no different for you in where you're going to school the calling is no different for you in what you do in your free time 
our cause, our passion, our fervor to see the kingdom of God grow through serving Christ in the gospel should be the same. Because we're all disciples who follow after Christ. One of the main ways that we serve Christ is by directing our very lives to put ourselves in the vein of continually serving him. And, and one of the ways that Christ is making sure that in our career we have the ability to make disciples. One of the ways that we serve Christ is by making sure that the money that we are being given for our careers is being used to steward the kingdom of God, being used to serve and advance the gospel. One of the ways that we serve Christ in, in our workplaces is in the relationships that we build, in the ways that we preach Christ to those around us. I could keep on going on this, but I think it's a felt need. I think when I say that you should be serving Christ, and if you actually follow Christ, you immediately feel the places that you're not. You immediately feel the places that you could be better at. So I'm going to leave it trust that the Holy Spirit's ministering to you and speaking to you through the word of God. And let you know that if you want to talk more about it, if you want wisdom, if you want insight on how you can make those things happen, come talk to me afterwards. That's why I'm here, after the message, to talk to you, to help you, to get you connected in those ways. So I told you we're going to be looking at following two people in this passage, right? And you might think that the next person that we would be following is Epaphroditus because we've already mentioned him. He's listed there in the text. And we could go that route. We've actually sort of already mentioned him a bit. But for tonight and for our purposes, I think that we should look at what it's like to follow after Paul in this circumstance right now. To follow after Paul. And so that's the next person, right? Follow Paul. And the first thing that we see about following Paul is that we should, wait for it, we should trust God. I know. Sunday school answer, but just hear me out for a little bit, okay? We should trust God. I get this from verses 23 and 24, where it says, I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I want to ask, do you see the bit of weird language that is going on there? Like in the first half of that sentence, Paul is talking about waiting and seeing what is going to happen. He's talking about just waiting to see the outcome. But in the second half of that sentence, he's talking about how he fully hopes and anticipates that he's going to be there in just a few short, however many days or weeks with him, right? Like he has this idea that he's sort of waiting to see what's going to happen, and also he plans on it going exactly how he thinks it's going to happen, and he'll be with them soon. And so this should feel just a little bit odd for us. Because in some ways, it almost sounds like two different things, but in reality, it's not. Because what Paul is doing is that he's seeing the reality of his situation while acknowledging the reality of who God is and the God that he's in relationship with. Like he's looking at multiple layers of the same situation. Paul's looking at his life in, in this moment layered upon his life with God, and he has such a deep trust and understanding of God and, and who he is that he's looking at his physical circumstance through a particular lens. And if you were around with us when we first started teaching Philippians, you remember we had a message called the gospel lens. 
And we talked about how Paul is viewing the world through the gospel lens and how he views his situations and the situation of him here in prison through the gospel lens. I want to remind you of that message and say we could have gone that route. For this point right here, it could be like, yeah, let's just put on the gospel lens. That's what Paul's doing. But I think that we can draw even more out of this than just that. I could have named this point, put on the gospel lens, but I wanted to give you something a little more specific. And tell you in all all circumstances of life, no matter how they look, no matter where you find yourself, that part of that gospel lens is trusting God. And I'm challenging you not only to look at your life through what is actually going on, but I want to challenge you tonight to be in communication with God and to be in relationship with God about the things that you see going on in your life. I know you're guilty of not consulting him with all the things of your life because I know I'm guilty of not consulting him with all the things of my life because that is human nature. It is human nature to want to make our own decisions and to be our own autonomous person. It is human nature for us to be bent on our will and our plans. And I want to challenge you tonight to trust God in your circumstances and your situations in a way that you consult him and consult what he might think of every situation that you find yourself in, not just the big ones, not just the ones that you find yourself in need of. But I admit that me just telling you to trust God is a bit harder of an application. I admit that when one of you walks into my office and sits down and we spend 20 minutes in my office and we're just talking and we're crying about what's going on in your life, that if I just say, don't worry, pal, trust God, pat you on the back and you walk out, that you're not going to feel any better. Because the idea is easier said than done. So I want to try as much as I can in the short little bit of time that we have left to help give you ways that you can learn to trust God, to help give you ways in which you can grow in your trust of God and where you find yourself in your circumstances. And I want to encourage you tonight by telling you that you can trust God when you have a bigger view of who God is. That you can grow your trust in God when you grow your view of God. And actually that's into our last point for tonight. So our last point is also going to help us with our application of the, of the first point of following Paul. And that's see God. If you want to follow Paul, not only are you trusting God, but you're going to see God. Look with me, verses 25, 27. I promise I'll tie this all together. Paul says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my fellow, my brother, my fellow co-worker, and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So I want you to see here that this man, Epaphroditus, was sent to Paul by the Philippians to help minister to Paul. Whatever whatever is going on, the Philippians sent him. And perhaps this man was sent to Paul because the Philippians had heard that Paul was in prison. And it's possible this whole whole letter exists 
because Epaphroditus visited Paul and actually brought the letter back to the Philippians or relayed a message back to them or said, hey, a letter is coming. Paul knows what's going on. Like, it's entirely possible that the only reason we have this letter to the Philippians is because of Epaphroditus. That is a hard one to say over and over again. Take some practice. So Paul is with this man from Philippi, and at some point, Epaphroditus gets sick. So sick that he almost dies, but he doesn't die. In fact, he gets better. This in itself is really great, right? Like, that's good. We want people getting healed from those things. But we, what we should see here is how Paul is viewing this whole situation. And this, this is how it ties into our previous point, all right? Our previous point, I want to help give you application on how to trust God. Like, Paul doesn't just view this moment in time as, oh, the guy got better. He's healed. He doesn't just view this moment in time as some medical thing. Even, like, even if he views it as a miracle, right? Even if he views it as that, like, God made him better. That's not the only way that Paul is viewing this situation. Because not only does Paul view the mercy given to Epaphroditus to be healed, but Paul also views the ways in which God was using that to minister to Paul. Because what, what does Paul say? He says that he was brought less anxiousness. He was brought joy at this. That the Lord did it partly so that he wouldn't feel sorrow. So Paul is looking at this moment in which this man is healed. And he's not only seeing a God who is big enough to heal someone. But he's seeing a God that is big enough to use one situation for multiple implications. Multiple purposes, right? He sees a God that is big enough to heal one man, not only for that man's sake, but also for the people around him and how God might be working in their lives. Even Paul's like, this brings me joy. God did this not only for his good, but also for my good. And Paul's view of God is so big that he can see a God that does those things. Paul's view of sovereignty is so big that he understands that God can do multiple things from one event. That he can bring much good out of much distress. And we know that that's how Paul views it. He he wasn't sitting there thinking like, oh yeah, that dude got healed just for me. Imagine if you were Epaphroditus in that moment. Like, oh, thanks Paul, you're praying just so you feel better. I appreciate that, thanks a lot, man. Like, No, that's not how Paul views it. We know his genuine concern for those that he serves. So, one of the ways that Paul was able to put on this gospel lens, one of the ways that he was able to trust God is that he had this big view of who God was. And I want to challenge you and encourage you, right? My favorite words for you guys. I want to challenge you, I want to encourage you. To spend time, if you need to grow in your trust of what God is doing, to grow in your view of who God is. And the mighty and amazing things that he has done. Not only in your life, but in the life of those, the people around you, in the lives of those that we see in scripture, right? Hebrews 11 says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and it lists like Old Testament saints that went through all these things, like that should prove to us that we have the ability to look through all of Scripture and see the witnesses that have come before us and see how God worked in their lives and allow that to think, 
we have an amazing God who's able to do anything. And the more I can understand of who he is, the more I can trust the things that he's doing in my life. So I, I hope and I pray that that sets you on the path. If, if you're lacking trust in God in some way right now, that you can follow after Paul and you can grow in your sight of who God is. And I want to give you a few minutes now to do just that. So we've been doing it the last few weeks. We've gotten a lot of feedback. People seem to like just taking a few minutes to think about what was just preached, what was just read. So I want to give you this time now, just a couple minutes of prayer. And if you're looking for something really to do in this time, you're lacking trust in God about this. Just spend time praying to God to reveal to you the times in your own personal life that he has showed his faithfulness. Like think of the times that good has come from a situation. Maybe it's somebody's story that heard. Maybe it's a testimony you saw. Maybe it's baptisms that you've seen at our church. Whatever it might be, think of those things and continue to add them to the character of God so that you can face the times when you need to trust God more. All right, take a couple minutes. Just reflect on all this. I'll come back and wrap it up in just, just a few. there are times that I don't want to trust you, whether because the circumstance in my life just seems too hard, I'm too fearful of the outcome, I don't know if I want the outcome it seems to be heading, Lord, I uh, admit to you that there's times that I don't trust you because I love my sin too much, I love the things that 
I really love to put over you. And I ask, Father, that you continue to grow my view of who you are, that I would grow in my trust of you. I pray that for everyone in the room tonight. I pray that we would truly experience what it's like to follow after you. Thank you for being able to learn from people like Timothy and Paul, Epaphroditus. Thank you for being able to learn from saints of old, saints that have come before us. And I pray that we continue to do that in your word over the weeks to come. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.